welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I'm back. And today, I am so delighted to be bringing my guest here because you guys, we're going to be having a conversation about one of the really big things that can really get all of us bunched up and spinning our wheels. That is money. So Morgana Ray is my guest, and she is an international number one best-selling author an award-winning entrepreneur, and a life and business coach for 28 years, putting love first to build wealth and impact. A favorite guest on television, radio, and print, Morgana has guided tens of thousands of entrepreneurs, innovators, healers, and humanitarians to heal the rift between heart, spirit, and money to save the world as only they can. So Morgana, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm very excited about our topic today. I am too. And you know, what I really loved is I was reading some of what you had written, and I just actually want to read what you wrote, which is, here's what I know from my personal experience and almost 30 years coaching other healers, artists, energy channelers, and empaths, making money, And setting healthy boundaries can be very painful to us because we have such a strong impulse to comfort, rescue, and put other people first. I could not have written that better myself. I am, I'm like right there with you. So please talk to me. Oh my goodness. Um, There's so many layers to that because some of this impulse is like, really, really healthy and kind and spiritual. And some of it is sort of just trauma wounding and reacting out of like what we didn't get. And then that becomes not healthy. And it actually makes us less effective in helping others. It makes, and this is, I think, a really big piece is if we are not going to step into the void and be the helpers with the influence and and the impact, the people we want to help are going to be really, there are predators out there who will step into that space. So it's very important that the healers and the do-gooders and the people who really do care get into a good, empowered relationship with money that is centered on love and integrity and sustainability because the world needs the healers. The psychopaths don't have this problem. We have a responsibility to have a healthy relationship with money that is a partner to the good that we want to do in the world. We also, by the way, we don't do anybody any good by looking at others as broken or less than. (laughs) You know, we so like, it's, it's so hard as an empath because we feel the pain of others as if it's our own. And then we also, because most of us have, you know, 
pain and trauma in our background, which I think is actually a very sacred experience. And I know that there are a ton of people in my industry who are like good vibes only, law of attraction, you know, spiritual bypassers, which is not helpful either. And it re-victimizes victims. But on the other end of the extreme is we get triggered when somebody else's pain triggers our own. And then we unconsciously revert to our childhood helpless selves. And we are not relating to the person in front of us as a creative, resourceful, whole adult. I was called an old soul from like the earliest years of being a small child. Now I hear that and I understand what they're saying. But if we were to, you know, just sort of strip off all of our flesh suits here, and I'm talking to the spiritual people out there. There's no such thing as an old soul. All souls are eternal. So it can help to look at the person who is struggling. Look at them as your equal. Yes. As a divine person who may be struggling or challenged or not as competent at something right now. Because, you know, we're all on different journeys and we all have our strengths and our challenges, but it, there's a part of you that I would just say, you know, give people respect. I have been hired by people that based on the drama of their stories and their circumstances, I had this inner narrative going, oh my God, they can't possibly hire me. Oh my God, I can't take their money. I don't want to harm them. It isn't possible. And they came up with the money to hire me. There's also a voice in the back of my head that said, shut up and treat them like an adult and let them make their own decision. Not my choice to make. It is not my job to talk anybody into hiring me. Yes. People are grownups. They will figure it out. It's also not my job to talk people out of hiring me, although I've tried sometimes. There was a woman from Kazakhstan. I was just, she wanted to do my goddess retreat in Bali. And I was just, I was like, oh my gosh, she's from Kazakhstan. And with like all, like every well-intentioned negative prejudice you can just hear in the way I'm, I'm just like, oh, she could never afford me. She's from Kazakhstan. I've read her application. It just seems impossible. And I'm trying to sell her on something smaller. And she said, but I've been saving up for a year. Mm. And by the way, she could barely speak any English. That was the other thing that I was worried about. But she knew and I could not reject her. Mm-hmm. And she did the retreat. And even without like any common language, I could track her energy and guide her. And she got the result that she wanted. So the hardest thing for us as empaths is to separate ourselves from our talent and the trauma. Yes. For me, I am, I've, I've got all the clairs that I know of. So there's clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, claircognizance. There's the, I can smell things. Clairaliance. Thank you. That's the one I always forget. And so I will like, know, hear, smell, whatever, something before the client says, says something. And I'm totally not attached to being right. I just couldn't care less. But if I heard, so when, if I say, when will this be done? And somebody says seven months and I heard six weeks, I'll go, really? 
And I'll just send and and it, it's my experience that they usually go, well, and it's what I already heard. And it doesn't matter that it was, but that's just how it's useful is that I can very often see it or smell it or whatever it is before it happens. I like, I like the sense of smell only because it is, I think, the most truly emotional sense that we have. It's not... Sight can get very intellectual, but if I want a client to go into a really deeply emotional embodied experience, I find scent and asking what does this thing smell like can really drop them into themselves, like out of their head and into themselves. So I believe that the healers and the do-gooders of the world, we have a responsibility to grow up and have a healthy, loving partnership with money that is all about integrity and is a partnership that matches our values. So to, you know, that, that if you want to save the world, money wants to save the world with you and wants to help you do that. I believe that really the only true healthy purpose for money is to serve love and serve lifestyle and serve legacy. I want to pull that out. The only true purpose of money is to serve love, legacy, and lifestyle. Wow. I have coached clients with millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars who were miserable and stressed out and truly suffering because money was getting in the way of love Mm -hmm. or they were working themselves to death or they only were able to make money doing something that did not align with their values. All of those scenarios, there may be, you know, lots of big numbers attached to that, but it's still a form of poverty. And when you can make money without sacrificing love, quality, lifestyle, great legacy, when you're not at war with yourself, in my experience, it becomes much easier to make and keep the money necessary for you to have the freedom to focus on love, lifestyle, and legacy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, I've had this conversation with other people who've worked with very, very wealthy people before. And this idea of a number being a sign of wealth is just so arbitrary. And you can have people who have more money than I could even imagine having. And at the same time, they are miserable. And as you were saying, this is, this is a form of poverty that, and I think that, that the way that we associate wealth with money as sort of the thing in some ways is unfortunate because there are so many other aspects of it. I wanted to jump back to something you were talking about because I really, I think this is something that really deserves to be highlighted which is the 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 sort of the tendency of the transformational empathic entrepreneur to 
tell ourselves stories about other people's money and to draw that out or, and to, and to kind of like make assumptions based on either our spending habits or on, on what they've told us where we are already like, I can't count the number of conversations I've had with other people in the mentoring and coaching world where it's like, we've talked about the anticipating the downsell before you're even having the conversation with somebody. And so I love that you were mentioning that sort of when we tell stories ourselves about somebody else's financial situation. Look, I'm just, I, I've coached many thousands of people. I've been doing this a really long time. But when it comes to money, my first client is myself. Mm-hmm. I never became a coach to be have this money niche. And it's still kind of like weird to me. I mean, it's fun and it's fun to see client results. It's good for marketing. But really, at the core of it, I'm a life coach and a business coach only because business is part of life. But what I love about coaching the topic of money is because there's really absolutely no better pain door for life coaching because money is the number one excuse we humans give for everything we can't have, do, or be. And it is a measure in our life experience of love. Are we loved? Value, are we valued? Are we wanted? Are we worthy? Uh, Safety, is the world a safe place? Am I safe? And power, am I power? Am I powerful or am I helpless? So these real, I think just the four biggest existential pain points of of, of our life experience, love, worth, safety, and power, are so deeply embodied by money itself. And that's all money is because money is invented. It doesn't exist. It's just a shared imaginary invention by human beings. But what it represents is very real. And it's what life is all about. And and it starts when we're babies with parents who loved us or didn't, valued us or didn't, kept us safe or didn't instilled in us a sense of our own power or powerlessness. So any wounds you have in those areas, anything that made you feel unloved, unworthy, unsafe, or helpless, especially if it doesn't look like it has anything to do with money, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. any rejection, any failure, any injury, illness, accident, any, anything that made you reject yourself, especially if it doesn't look like it has to do with money, like eating disorders. Great example of that. That's Mm. because I I had one when I was, when I was younger and that talk about a rejection of self and a desire to like, you find yourself so unacceptable. You want to be less of you, right? Yes. But love rejections, failures to like achieve the sports team or whatever it was you were aspiring to all of that is your relationship with life, your relationship with self, and it shows up in your relationship with money. So I I focus on money because it's such a perfect 
pain door because it touches every aspect of your life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, your romantic mm-hmm. life, you know, health, what you do for play, your freedom to focus on your spirituality and helping others, like the, your environment, your house, where you get to live, if the air is clean, like everything, everything, everything. is touched by money. And so to be able to work on that is like a, a microcosm of your whole relationship with life. And so when I when I help someone change their relationship with money, it has a ripple effect. Romantic, not only like I'm famous for the money results. Life making in the olden days when I first started doing this with people, like I would get messages of people who made hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars overnight or within a few hours. And then it just kept getting bigger. And then it was hundreds of thousands. And now I have all these clients who've made millions and tens of millions of dollars in short amounts of time. But it's not just that. Like, that's fun. It's great for marketing. But it's also like Catherine, who did my money goddess retreat, and then two weeks later met her husband. She was 55, had never been married. This was back in 2016 even through the pandemic, they're madly in love. And they're just, this is a an unintended side benefit that I've noted is that when our relationship with money gets good and we feel safe and valued and loved, our love lives get way, way better, especially for women. When we feel safe, we soften, we relax. It's like, it's like a big sigh. We, we become more receptive. Doesn't matter whether we like men or women or non-binary. We just, or are, we, you know, we just, we become more willing and available to love. I have a client who finally felt safe to marry her longtime partner after she fixed her relationship with money. So love and health. Clients also report spontaneous healing of like long, you know, years or decades long ailments because it's all, it's all like doors into the same room. You call it money, you call it health, you call it love, but it's the room is your relationship with existence. So I just find the money monster is usually a really good way to access it. I will have clients who will come to me for other stuff, but I'm known for the money and the numbers are just, you know, they're good for marketing. <laughs> and it and it's it's a great place to go deep. Yes. Yes. Um oh, there are just so many amazing things that you are saying and I'm just loving everything because I I really, I so agree with you. And, you know, you talked about the money being the number one excuse for not doing the thing, not doing all the things. And I have certainly noticed that in in some ways, so I'd love to actually talk about the correlation between money and boundaries, because it seems to me that sometimes it's like if we, we that that it's like not having the resources or not being able to I can't afford it is really I mean for one thing it's become a very socially acceptable way to say no 
that a lot of people like, instead of saying, well, I don't really want to do this, or this isn't aligned for me, they're like, I can't afford it. And that's sort of is a way to shut down the conversation. It's also profoundly disempowering. Yes. I'm really, really glad that you brought that up. It is, you're giving away responsibility for your own choice and you're blaming money. And Mm -hmm. if money were a person, if you were that person, if you were money, (laughs) and Jennifer was always saying, oh, I'd love to, but I can't. Like, how would you feel always being the scapegoat? Because unconsciously, you're just filing that away, this belief that money stops you from doing things. So there's definitely the socially acceptable, I can't afford it which is putting it out into the universe to the other person that money is the reason that they didn't get a client is making money. You're blaming money for your own decision. I actually recommend, and, and sometimes you actually believe it yourself. So I find a way, way better phrase is to say, it's not a financial priority for me at this time. Exactly. Exactly. Way more honest. And, but boundaries is really the big issue on both ends of the spectrum because I also have clients who find that they become the bank because they have money. Mm -hmm. All their friends want money from them. And what's really painful is when somebody borrows money from you and they start to resent you. And I saw this with um, a wealthy client early on decades ago. And she came into a vast fortune of over $20 million unexpectedly. She had, she didn't see it coming. She wasn't prepared for it. And initially she thought it was a great thing and it ruined all her relationships. Her friends would come to borrow money and she would gladly loan it to them. And then they would start to trash talk her and stop being her friend because they didn't want to pay her back. Mm. And she hadn't changed. They had. Uh, Mm -hmm. Her boyfriend of 15 years was like, yay, great. I never have to work again. And then left her and married somebody else. And honestly, the reason she hired me way, way, way back when was not because she needed to make money. She had plenty of that. She wanted love. And this was early in my relationship with money career, she was the first one that who that I realized, oh my goodness, somebody wealthy can have a money monster that gets in the way of love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also picked up another client around that time who had made millions of dollars in the enter- in the music industry, but it what it was no longer aligned with his values. He wanted to be a coach. He had one client paying him $25 a session who would only coach with him at five o'clock in the morning. This is a man who made millions of dollars. Right? Right? (laughs) His money monster was like, you can't make money doing good in the world. And so I'm throwing around this idea of a money monster. Yes. You just heard my, you just, you read my mind because I was just going to go there and be like, so talk about the money monster. I'm going to talk about my process and i'm going to i'm going to share it through my own story awesome so the reason i ended up doing what i do and focusing on money is only because i 
failed at it so dramatically. And I'm the kind of person who just, honestly, I had to achieve just to get love in my family. And so I was a straight A student, even after a car accident, head injury, coma, and homelessness my senior year of high school. I graduated as a National Merit Scholar and went to a top college where I majored in religion, which shows you like what a moneymaker mindset that I had. I was not just mainstream religion, but like the most obscure Asian tantric (laughs) traditions that you could find, trying to make sense of the nature of the universe and how we have a better experience here and what people around the world believe. And graduated eventually became a coach, had all these movie star clients, mountains of testimonials, half a dozen certifications, on and on and on and on, beautiful marketing, website brochure, business cards, public speaking, and living in Los Angeles, trying to make a career of this, struggling to make $100 a month, Mm. which completely doesn't make sense and didn't make sense. Right. I was taking every class, doing everything right, in quotation marks, as I was taught. Yes. Working with coaches, couldn't afford any of it. It was all on credit cards and borrowing from family members, which then added this layer of shame and guilt because I'm telling people I can help them with their lives. And I have this shameful secret. And what was on top of that, people actually wanted to work with me. I had this huge pile of dramatic success stories in the entertainment industry. And then something would happen on those enrollment calls. That would make them go poof Mm, mm. Uh, unless I was giving it away, Mm -hmm. unless I was just like charging a dollar. Mm. (laughs) That was like my comfort level. And I would have all these horrible feelings and thoughts when the topic of money would come up that they would think I only cared about money, that I'd be hurting them by taking money, this fear that I would be ripping them off or taking advantage, ideas like, well, Christ didn't charge. Well, you know. He actually had a lot of wealthy benefactors, and I don't know what was going on back then, right? Not my business. Right. And so I kept taking more classes, getting more skills, getting more certifications, hoping that would solve the problem, taking more business classes only to be told to do what I was already doing. And and it all came to like a fever pitch after I took taken this class on overcoming sales objections and I overcame the objections by the say it's like an objection sounds like I'd love to, but I can't afford it. Right. So you won't hate me. Right. So, uh, so I learned the magic words. That's the way it's marketed magic words, right. To overcome their Nobody objections. Nobody has $10,000 in their sock drawer. I don't know if you heard that one. <laughs> no, I haven't. But. <laughs> I have been hired for more than that by people who did not have it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What somebody has is no prediction of whether they hire me. Right. And it's and what having the money is not nearly as useful a skill as getting it once you've made a decision. So I'd stay out of that, you know, Uh, 
But so you were saying you were taking the class. Oh, right. Yeah. So I was taking seven people in a row said they would hire me. By the way, I was charging way, way too little anyway. But seven people in a row said they would hire me and none of them showed up and none of them paid me. And that was like, that was my Hail Mary. That was my last hope. And I completely just gave up in the worst way because I didn't see a way to live. And I felt so hurt and rejected and betrayed. I had done everything I was supposed to do. And it was so painful. So I just... I despaired. I remember closing the drapes in my little bedroom and getting on my bed and lying down and screaming and crying and railing against the universe until I had nothing left except wondering what the heck was going on inside of me that was pushing money away from people who actually wanted to hire me. And I had a session with my coach right after that, like really soon after. And that I had a coach when I couldn't pay for my rent is ridiculous, but it also saved my life and changed everything that one session because I came to my coach this like puddle of misery and rage and despair and hopelessness, which by the way, is a very useful place to come to to your coach. It gives us something to work with. And his response was really different from anything that I had encountered for the months that I'd been working with him because he didn't know what was wrong either. Mm. But that day he asked me a really weird question that changed my life. And he asked me, if money was a person, who would your money be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because I was in so much pain and hurt and failure, I had done everything and I'd been doing everything for a long time and doing everything right. And every promise, do this and you'll get this result was a broken promise to me. And I was like that singular failure of law of attraction. By the way, I had the vision boards and the mantras and the Los Angeles friends who wave their hands and change your money DNA. Nothing changed. Mm-hmm. But when he asked me that question, if money, if your money was a person, who would your money be? Because in that moment, I was in so much pain. I saw a person instantly. And I'm not a good visualizer. But in that moment, this person was there and in my face. And he was this big, scary, dirty, violent biker who terrified me. Mm. Dangerous. Bad. There was a reason I was keeping money away. I had this instant vision of myself at a live event with this guy, keeping my eye on him constantly to create maximum distance. And that was the big light bulb moment that no no matter what I was doing to make money, the business cards, the public speaking, the strategy sessions, enrollment card calls, website, blah, all of it. 24-7, my entire system was unconsciously creating distance from money, and I never had any idea. I didn't know that I felt that way about money until I made it a person that made it real. Money is an abstract concept. We empathic types will always choose people over an abstract concept. We will always respond to the pain in front of us. We will feel that love and that compassion so much stronger than some 
vague, disembodied idea of money. But when I made money human, I could relate to it because I relate to humans. Mm-hmm. Which, side note, is why you know, my cats and this random bird that's showed up across the street, like they're all people to me. <laughs> they all have names because I relate to people. So it was clear to me that there was no way that I could have money in my life if it was the biker dude. I had to get rid of him completely. That created a new problem. Practically speaking, I live in Los Angeles and I just got rid of my only relationship with money, which created an empty space. I needed a relationship with money. I didn't want that guy to come back. So I thought to myself, well, who could I want so much that I could want this person in my life, even if it's money? And because, and I have broken this down into six steps that I'll walk you through when I'm done with my story, but because I'd gone so deep into the pain and because the the biker dude was so real and so gone, when I asked that question, a new person showed up and this person felt like love and he was handsome and like just gorgeous, clean cut, romantic, wearing a tuxedo, holding a bouquet of red flowers. And he felt like he loved me. He felt like he had been there forever, that I'd been breaking his heart, Mm. that he wanted to woo me, that he wanted to be with me. And it was up to me, which is completely different than what I thought was going on. All these years, I thought money was the gatekeeper, like a bad boyfriend telling me that I'm not good enough and I should be grateful for what I can get and cheating on me and leaving me and making me feel insecure all the time and not good enough all the time. That was the monster. This guy was like, oh my God, I've been wanting to be with you forever. And you have always been rejecting me and breaking my heart. And I could feel how sweet and loving he was. And I liked him and I wanted to keep him, which created a new question. Well, how do I allow money to be with me? I don't have a clue. Like I could feel he wanted to, but I had Olympic muscles for pushing money away. I'd been flexing those muscles my whole life. I like to say if it was like I had superhero powers of money repulsion. And if I had, you know, my own little superhero suit, it would have a giant R on the chest. So that wasn't appropriate to this new guy. So I asked him what he needed from me so he could be with me the way he wanted to. And the great thing about when your new money is a person is you can have conversations now. It's like a really healthy way to access your intuition, your highest self. There's also something very healing about it when it doesn't feel like it's you, when it feels like it's other. In my case, it's like I can I can transfer all of my powers of codependency onto <laughs> being a good relationship partner to this person who is now worthy of my deepest trust and admiration, kindness. He's like, you want to save the world? Me too. And let's do it together. So I asked him what he needed. And I got an instant response. And he, this very first conversation that we had, he said, I need you to love me and stop treating me like a monster. Which felt fair and kind. Like, like being a good person. Yeah. yeah. And 
So it was also very vague. <laughs> so what does that look like in practical terms? So we had, we talked some more and he kind of pointed out that all the times he would bring me, want to bring me a gift, like a gift of love to woo me. Every time he brought me a client, I would go, ew. They would bring up the money question. I'd go, ew, ew, ew. I would freak out. I wouldn't say that, but they, it would like hit them in the face, this energetic repulsion, like, ew, like I had this stinky, awful, horrible, shameful pile of monster that I didn't want anyone to know about that it was going to harm them, that I'd be a bad person. And I was so like freaked out by the topic of money. And that's what people were responding to. My discomfort with accepting payment. So I made a really powerful decision that next time he brought me a gift, I would say thank you as if it was a gift of love. Mm. And the crazy thing is four people reached out to me within 24 hours. Mm. And I accepted four new clients at double what I had ever charged before in my life. And they keep coming and they keep coming. And I have made millions of dollars. And I charge a lot now. And my clients are happy. I don't have to talk them into it. They make multiples of what I charge. And I do stuff like this, like free interviews, hundreds of articles and videos on my website. I have my best-selling book, Financial Alchemy, to walk you through it. And there's a self-coaching system. So that, no, my goal is that I do believe, because I still am a bit of a, like, codependent, fuzzy boundary, bleeding heart helper still, and probably will be my whole life, I like to give away as much as I can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And know that there's still enough. There's still, there will still be people who want to work with me directly and hire me. And I can charge whatever I want because I'm giving so much away for free. I do try to give away everything I can squeeze into the time that we have. I really, I know that I cannot transfer 20 years of doing this in 20, 30, 40 minutes, but I do the best I can really honestly, freely. I find people have results from my free stuff. And by the way, request anybody listening, you know, go to my website, morganaray.com, just like the spelling. And if anything interesting happens, let me know. That is my kink. I love, I love that stuff. And I will request permission uh, to post it on, you know, my success story page. And if, if you have privacy stuff and you don't want to share your last name or you want to go by a different name, just let me know. That's fine. Cause I do really believe in safety. I actually believe that change happens at the speed of safety. If you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and you are not getting results, money, love, health, whatever, but especially with money, if you are not getting results, you are with great love protecting yourself from what you're pursuing, which is why 
If you're stuck, I want to look under the hood and see what you're protecting yourself from. And that's how we find the money monster. And the money comes when the money monster is gone. And it's it's really impossible to have a healthy money honey relationship until we get rid of the monster first. Yes. I so just that, wanna, go ahead. I was going to say, I just want to hold out the saying you just said, money happens at the speed of safety. Oh. It's change. You know, we just, I have so much compassion for this stuckness. I just coached a woman, a client who had come to me for the money thing in years past and came to me again because she had a horrible disease. Mm. And by the way, this is like, I can't predict or promise. I, I don't know. I know how to do what I do. I know that I've seen results. Um, but she she was unexpectedly infected by black mold. Mm-hmm. And that's really bad stuff. And it, it was is really messing with her neurology and her balance yep. and her eyesight. So we slayed a mold monster. Mm. And I took her through the whole process. Just like I do with money monsters. And she slayed it. And when it was gone, we brought in a vitality honey, where it might be a money honey for other clients. For her, it was a vitality honey. And something very interesting happened. In the weeks following doing that, her mold system started to go away. And her special glasses that are specifically designed to address the neurological problem between her eyes and her brain stopped working and she couldn't see anymore. And she went to the doctor and it was because her eyesight had improved so dramatically that the glasses weren't working anymore. So, you know, that's just like, that is the power of a human being. You know, she, and she just, uh, she rewired herself. So I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through the six steps. I know. And part of it is, you know, like we said earlier, I have those superpowers of empathy of clairaudience, clairsentience, you know, all those clairs. So, um, that's very helpful for me to be able to like tune into a person and find the block, find the words, find what is necessary to kind of set them up to have this huge change. So, but I I also want to give you the tools and know that you, there's, you know, plenty more available. Nobody's expected to become a master of this on the first listening. So the first step for slaying your money monster and creating a just a love-centered money honey relationship with life honestly is first you uncover the root cause and i and i hinted at that a lot 
<laughs> earlier in the show. So the root cause of money drama, whatever it is, whether it's you don't have any or you have a ton, but it's causing problems, making you a target, or maybe you're amazing at making money and even better at getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. So the root cause is never the money. It's not, you know, I, I know a lot of coaches love to say, change your money story, change your life. If that works for you, do it. It's, but I've never in my life ever seen that work. So it's never about the money. Money is the symptom. The root cause is love, worth, safety, and power. So you find the root cause of whatever the money problem is in anything that has ever made you feel unloved or unlovable, unworthy or worthless, not safe, whether it's illness, injury, violence, whatever, any, my, hello, pandemic, climate, whatever it is that makes the world feel unsafe, use it, throw it in. This is the time to put on your victim hat. Your victim experiences are sacred or you wouldn't have gone through them. We don't want to live there, but we do want to milk them for whatever they're worth. I call this process financial alchemy. The stress is on alchemy. Alchemy is the transmutation of lead as in lead and human experience into gold, spiritual and material. So anything that has ever made you feel unloved, unworthy, unsafe, or powerless, dig it up, build a case against your life and the world. Like you're like some badass attorney against God. You're building a case. And when it's big enough to feel, ugh, this is horrible. No wonder, you know, then step number two is you give personhood to the root cause and you imagine a person who's responsible for every bad thing that has ever happened. And you want it. It's not going to be you and it's not going to be your parents. And it's probably not anybody who's currently in your life. Because, but you want it to be as real as possible. It can be a public figure. You want it to be as real as possible. Cartoonish is kind of tricky. That can be a way of like the monster protecting itself. Um, Because in step number three, why would the monster protect itself? Well, A, it's got a great gig. And in step number three, you're going to destroy it. By any means necessary. And I know that my crowd is the love and light, spiritual, and a lot of you are vegans. And I want you to really get dramatic in destroying the monster. Bloody is better. It's like, you know, channel Durga. Have no mercy. Destroy it. Only one of you gets to survive. Choose yourself and put everything into the monster that no longer gets to exist in your human experience. Blow it up, stab it, set it on fire, whatever, make it gone. And I know this is going to be really uncomfortable for somebody. It's power. It's powerful. It is the power of saying yes to yourself and no. Magic power boundaries, just like Jennifer brought up earlier. There's nothing good. This is why the monster is not you and the monster is not your parents. No matter how monstrous your parents might have been or anybody currently in your life, because I'm not 
inviting you to imagine doing something that you wouldn't do and, you know, or don't go out and kill anybody. That's not your thing. Just make the monster gone, like no bloody bits, completely gone. And then you have space for the only thing that remains, which is love. So this new person, he, she, or they, whatever lights you up, is going to feel like love. May feel kind of sexy and romantic too. But safe. Because as I said earlier, change happens at the speed of safety. If you have sexual or romantic trauma in your background, I understand. This person is safe. You set the pace. Just somebody lovely. What I like about lovers is the relationship is equal. It's not like you and God or you and Gandhi or you and Oprah way up there. It's, it's, it is a partner who loves you and is in love with you and sees you in your most radiant, powerful self. And it kind of heals something inside of us. Uh, so you meet your money, honey. That's step four. Step five is you have that conversation with your money, honey. Good place to start is what do you need from me so you can stay with me the way you want to? And then six is you take concrete, measurable action. That's what makes it real. It's like magic 101. There is some physical, real world action because action is magical. So, and it may look like it has to do with money. It may be balance your checkbook or file your taxes or call those people who owe you money. It could be something completely different, like fly to Paris or go to dance class. Or um, in the case of Katie, her money honey wanted her to go skating in the middle of December and uh, in Canada. I hear it's cold there. And... And it was really clear, like that's what turned her money on, that he thought that would be fun. And here's here's the funny punchline. And by the way, I have the same pattern with many, many clients. But so Katie was so stressed out about money that she didn't keep her word and she didn't do it. She committed to going skating. She told her money, honey, he was really clear. That's what he wanted her to do. And a day goes by and she doesn't do it because she's so stressed about money and she's trying to make some money and nothing changes. Day number two, doesn't go skating because she's so stressed about money and can't make it and all these debts. Day number three, she's like, ah, screw it. And it's Friday. She takes her kid to the skating rink. They have a wonderful time. Just a real heart connection, really happy. She comes home, she gets a phone call, and somebody gives her $10,000 without her even asking. Mm -hmm. And that was just the beginning of her journey. Right. So that's step number six. Those are the six steps. Mm -hmm. Oh, Morgana, thank you. This is just, this conversation is just so delicious, and I really appreciate and I also just want to say thank you so much for being so real with your own story and talking about your experience because, you know, especially in the coaching world, there are just so many people who are just kind of curating their reality and not talking about the struggles. And I know that, I mean, you sharing your struggle makes it so much more believable when you talk about your success. 
Thank you. To not own my flaws is a rejection mm-hmm. of myself. Yes. And I'm also a little competitive. So I hope <laughs> that, that my failure is bigger than anybody listening. <laughs> and I, want, yeah, I, I, I honestly want, and it's completely honest, but I, I do, I do want you to go, oh my God, you know, like, oh my God, if she <laughs> could turn that around, my, I'm a piece of cake. I totally mm-hmm. really want you to have that experience. But I've seen very, very dramatic breakthroughs that blow my mind. And that's, that is what I love about coaching is that my own clients just have taught me that anything's possible. Mm, people mm, I love that show up at the abyss I'm going and those are the people who I'm like oh my god I can't let them hire me and when I let them hire me they show me what's possible for example they're one of my favorite clients ever named Athena Burke I'm totally outing her but she's also like shared her testimonial publicly all over my website and I love her stories she was in a really bad situation of mountains of debt, ending marriage, small kids. And she was one of those times was like, oh my God, I can't let her hire me. And that voice said, shut up. She already, she had heard me teach. She had already slayed a money monster, had a money honey who told her to hire me. And I wasn't going to get into an argument with her money honey. So I let her hire me. And she was a psychic channeler charging like a hundred dollars an hour not making enough money to pay her mortgage and support her kids and do what she needed to do. And so I let her hire me. We slayed a horrible monster. We'd actually did the process more than once. And what was so amazing is within, I think about four months, she was making tens of thousands of dollars a month selling packages, selling $10,000 packages instead of $100 an hour, and going on money moons to Miami. Get it? Isn't that cute? These spiritual with her money honey. And then her money honey told her, you know what? It's time to stop coaching and focus on your music. So now she has this career of, you know, just traveling and performing and selling albums of deeply spiritual, you know, God-centered music and her kids are grown and, and she still goes on these God and money, honey walks daily. And, and she's just one of my favorite people. And she was kind of the one who, that was the experience that I just learned to shut up Mm -hmm, and respect mm -hmm. people to be adults and wise and know what they need. And they can figure out how to come up with the money. And it will be really, really empowering for them because they made it happen. Yes. And then I do everything in my power to live up to that, knowing what they went through to be able to work with me. It stresses me out and inspires me to be better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then they get better results. Yes. When we give it away for free, We are ripping people off because we aren't challenged in that way to, to like 
perform to prove to not, you know, to, to prove that it was a good investment. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Well, and I also think that something you spoke about earlier is that it's extremely disempowering to regard somebody as not capable of, if they say they want to work with you and you're upfront about your rates, then it's very dismissive and actually insulting to suggest to somebody that like to imagine they're not capable of meeting you there. And so, I mean, that whole dance, it's really just, you know, the tendency of empaths to look at people as broken, which is one of the dark sides of empaths, I think. This is why I really try to avoid the word broke Mm -hmm. when discussing finances. Mm -hmm. Because of that really insulting, dehumanizing connotation, just because somebody doesn't have money doesn't mean that they're broken. Mm-mm. It just Mm-mm. means that they don't have money at this moment. Right. Yeah. Temporarily without funds. Right. Yeah. And honestly, we can always get money. The only thing that can't be replaced is our body and our life. Yes. And our time. And our time. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, uh, I, I'm deeply passionate about, you know, serving the world changers and the healers and the do-gooders. And it's important to me, I think, ch- simply for the salvation of life on this planet, that the do-gooders thrive, thrive economically. You have more influence, you have more power, you have more impact. Absolutely. If our healers don't thrive, we lose our healers. And I don't believe in a system that only rewards people who cause harm. Mm, mm. So for me, literally the trick, and it's been 20 years now, the trick is my money has to be a good person worthy of love who shares my values, who wants to save the world and do good too. So there's never, ever a conflict between money and integrity, Mm -hmm. money and love. That's why if I charge more, I have to produce better. Mm -hmm. And my money's likable (laughs) and cute, you know? So I have this idea that if love and all your higher values are like, playing on one side of the field and money's on the opposite team, everybody loses. But if we get them on the same team, we lose that inner resistance Mm -hmm. and we do good with it. And, and money, it's really interesting is it's such a magnifier of what's already there. So if you are a kind and generous person, that will be magnified. If you are a fearful person, that will be magnified too. Mm -hmm. So that you can address it. Yes. Yes. Morgana, I am amazed at how quickly this conversation has whizzed by. And we are at the top of the hour already. Is there anything that just feels like like you want to put a button on it or just like a like a a point that just feels really important that you want to be sure you make before we end this conversation? Wow. Um, I think 
that I made it, but I'll come back to really my favorite is because it applies not just to money. And by the way, I did the same process on my relationship with love. 10, mm. 10 years ago, August 11th, 2012 was the first, my first date with my husband. And it was two months after I slayed my love monster. So, oh, and, and we are 26 weddings deep into getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. So again, you know, big results. I'm a drama queen. <laughs> I like dramatic results. Uh, Out of curiosity, what's your Zodiac sign? Uh, depends on whether we're Western or Vedic. So I'm January, early January. So I'm a Capricorn. Me too, Capricorn. Oh, what day? Rule. What day? What day? December 25th. I'm a Christmas baby. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I am January 7th. Oh, nice. So you are a solid Capricorn. Well, I am until you go to India and then I'm a Sag like you. Both of us are uh -huh. in Vedic astrology. Yeah. We're Sages. So I just pick and choose what I like. <laughs> um, so change happens, but what I love about Capricorns, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but what I love about Capricorns, because they get a real bad rap is, you know, they're the goats who really just don't tolerate bullshit. Like mm -hmm. we want to get stuff done. We are really results oriented, high achievers. And we've got fishy tails in the other realms. So we're also mm -hmm. very woo-woo, intuitive, but anchored. Anchored. Which is really important because the woo without the anchor can become insane. Absolutely. But the anchor without the woo is can be so earthbound. Yes. And so I either have to live in by the ocean or by the mountains, honestly. Mm -hmm. And it's that Capricorn self. So, okay. And that was today's episode was brought to you by the Zodiac sign of Capricorn. Um, yes. Well, generally this show is brought to you by the Zodiac sign of Capricorn. But, yeah. <laughs> it's like Sesame Street for yes. <laughs> adult healers. Um, please go to my website, MorganaRay.com. I've got a four-part money magnetic video series. So some of what we covered will be there and there will also be stuff that I didn't get to and tons of resources on my blog videos and, and articles to cover uh, questions. And ultimately, to, I also strongly recommend my international best-selling book, self-coaching workbook, Financial Alchemy, 12 Months of Magic and Manifestation. That is by the, that is my get out of guilt free card for not having to coach 7 billion people on planet earth. I have, if you go to Amazon and you look at the five-star reviews, like people have had crazy, really powerful, big, dramatic results without me. My client Pam had her first quarter of a million dollar sales month using my book before I even knew she existed, before she hired me. So that is like one of the ways to help people and still have lots of free time to travel the world marrying my husband a hundred times, which is a top priority.
That is a wonderful adventure and top priority. And I'll also say that on your website, there's also a really wonderful quiz that helps you to evaluate where you are at in terms of your money story. So, um, and you guys, all of these links are going to be in the show notes so that if you want to come on over to empathicmasteryshow.com, if you are listening to this as you're driving or something like that, you can check all of this out. Morgana, this has been such a delicious conversation. I've, I've had, I've, ne- I've been taught, you know, it's certainly not my first foray into the whole world of money and law of attraction. And so I've been aware of the idea of the relationship with money as a person. But the way you explained it is really beautiful. And it's like you gave me something that even though I've done these exercises, I've played with these, I've role played with money before, there was something about the way you described it that just made it more accessible. So Mm. thank you so much. And just thank you for sharing your heart, for sharing your message, for sharing your hope. Just all of this. Thank you so much. It's really been a delight. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, check out the show notes and we'll be back in two weeks. God, I almost forgot to tell you, January 23rd of 2023 is the 10 year anniversary of my book. So I am relaunching it on that day. And if you wait and buy my book on Amazon on January 23rd, you will get a ton of gifts extra gifts only available. If you buy that day, you'll come back to my website. You will enter your name, your email address, and your receipt number, and you will get a ton of gifts. And also you will be invited to a long as it takes live Q&A call. This is my favorite part because last time I did it, all these people got their book. They were getting into the process and that's when they had their questions. That's when they got stuck on the money monster, the money honey, and I was there to coach them through it and answer questions that would serve everybody. So that will be sort of my live thank you to everybody who buys my book to celebrate the 10-year anniversary. And by the way, it's going to be updated because, you know, the material's better now. I know more than I did 10 years ago. So I had to, I just had to bring it up to date and have an excuse to have a celebration. Thank you so much, Morgana. And you guys, jump on over to morganaray.com slash financial-alchemy-book. So thank you again so much. Congratulations on the 10-year anniversary of your book. That's huge. What a big, big deal. Yeah, the first time it it became a bestseller in seven countries, including countries that didn't speak English. So like the bar is high and the book is so much better now. So you guys go get a copy of this book. And I promise the book, there will be a link, a direct link for the Amazon book in the show notes as well. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. 
Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.